So good. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into the word. So, Father, thank you so much for your house. Thank you for the gift of your presence. Lord, I pray for just a deeper awareness of you in the room. Thank you, Lord, that worship hasn't stopped. It's still going. So I pray that you would posture our hearts in a place of worship, a focus on you. Pray, Lord, that your word would become living and active this morning. And Jesus, I just submit this message to you and let you use it and speak through the noise and distraction and let it plant seeds that will bear fruit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, guys, well, we are continuing our series, Let Him Lead, and uh, we've been diving into the transformative leadership of Jesus. This has been a really fun series, and uh, I want to start here. If we are to be followers of Jesus, we have to trust his leadership in every way that he leads, that his active leadership in our life is the journey of being discipled by him. So when we look at Jesus's leadership in our life actively, right, this is the invitation to be discipled by Jesus. And here's the thing, guys, that his leadership always has a destination. Let's say that again. Jesus's leadership always has a destination. There's always a place that he is taking us. Do you guys believe that? There is always a destination in his leadership. In Romans 8, 29, it says this, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. This is a very significant Verse, Because what this is showing us is that before he ever created you, God had a will and desire for your life. Before you ever stepped foot on the earth, before you were ever born, before you were even a thought on God's mind, his desire for you was to be conformed into the image of his son. And transformation happens when your will starts to collide with his will for you. So in his leadership, there is always one destination, and that destination is to be conformed into the image of his son. That Jesus is the blueprint of humanity. That in creating you, his desire is for you to embody his original design. So in every season, every trial, every struggle, every mountaintop, every valley, every moment that the Lord is leading you into something in your life, the destination is always going to be him. It starts with him and ends with him. That in his leadership taking you, moving to a new city, the destination is still him. Even though it may look like it's wrapped in a new city, 
the destination is always him. That this is his will and desire that before you ever were created, he predestined you to be conformed into the image of his son. So with this, when we sign up to follow Jesus, we sign up to follow him in every way that he leads. Who here is a follower of Jesus in the room? All right, if you raised your hand, you signed up to follow him in every way that he leads. So today I'm going to talk about uh, the third way or another way that the Lord leads us. Let's go to Deuteronomy 8 verse 2. It says this, remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness. It's talking about the children of Israel. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. So if you're here the past few weeks, we talked about the first way or one of the ways that the Lord leads us is through his voice, right? The word says that his sheep know his voice and they follow him. So the first way that we covered is he leads through speaking. And the second way that he leads is through his spirit, right? Those who are led by my spirit are children of God. So if you're taking notes, the first way that we, we covered his leadership is he leads through his voice. The second is he leads by his spirit. And so today we're going to cover another way that the Lord leads us. And this way is a very, very ignored way of his leadership. This is an area of his leadership that we don't often think about. Today we're going to talk about how he leads us through testing. The testing of the Lord. So I know for a lot of people the idea of testing doesn't have a positive connotation. <laughs> right? No one comes and is like, man, I'm like, the Lord's testing me. I'm in a season of testing. I'm so excited. I don't think I've ever met someone that has said that. But the idea of testing doesn't often have a positive connotation. But the thing is, guys, testing is crucial if we are to grow and mature. That in Deuteronomy 8.2, it says that he tested them in the wilderness to what? To prove their character and their obedience. So in the same way, if you've, you know, you went to school, every one of us has taken a test. Anyone enjoy that? Nope, not a lot of people enjoy that. But when you are in school, right, you are given a test, and the point of it is to reveal what you know. But it also makes us learn so that we can pass the test and move up in academics. In the same way, the testing of the Lord reveals where we really are in our heart but also invites us to grow so that we can move into the more of what God has for us. You know, none of us would want to have heart surgery on a, by a surgeon who never passed any of his tests. Like, none of us would say, hey, I want to go to this surgeon. You know, I heard he's great, but, you know, the, where he got his degree, he didn't have to do any tests. It was just like, you know, you just do whatever and 
here's your degree. No one would want to have heart, heart surgery from that surgeon, right? All right, hopefully not. Some of you are like, if it's free, you know, maybe we'll see. But testing proves our character and it tests our obedience. So I want to define this for us, that the testing of the Lord is when difficult things happen in our life that cause us to either choose independence or greater dependency on him. So I want you to picture, you know, if you're in school and you guys ever had like a Scantron sheet or like a bubble sheet. They don't do that anymore? They do? Okay. But you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Got to draw the circle. I want you to see this. Anytime there is a difficulty happening in your life, you're given a test. You have option A and option B, that's it. In every test, there's only two options. There's no C, D, E, all the above. There's only two options. Independence or greater dependency. And in every test, you're given a choice. Will I choose in the midst of my difficulty, independence, self-preservation, I'm going to get out of this in my own strength, this is not how I want it to go. I want it to be the way that I want it to be. It's not bearing the fruit that I want to bear. It's not successful in my eyes. Or are you going to choose greater dependency? Because a test reveals your character and it tests your obedience. So to understand how he tests us, we have to be rooted in his nature, that he will not test us outside of his nature. This is so important. Right, a good father doesn't cause his children to suffer to teach them a lesson. However, he will challenge them to grow, and sometimes that feels like suffering. <laughs> and he will use the suffering and difficulties around them to lead them into greater dependency. What happens is a lot of us, when we see testing, we think that the Lord is making us suffer just to teach us a lesson. But oftentimes, a lot of the suffering that we experience are actually a result of our own <laughs> decisions. A lot of the suffering in our life, we, we blame God for things he doesn't do. Right? It says that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and Jesus comes to give life and life abundantly. So James chapter 1, 2 to 4, it says this. You're not going to like this verse, but we're going to read it anyways. James chapter 1, 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy. Someone, someone say pure joy. pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance or patience, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be what? Mature and complete and not lacking anything. Before we dive into this, the first phrase, consider it pure joy. That is one of the most opposite worldly ideology. That in the midst of a trial, you can consider it pure joy, that this is what it means to live with an internal perspective. 
that even in trials and testing, you can count them as joy because you can trust the Lord's intentions. That if the Lord's will for your life is to be conformed into the image of a sign, I want you to picture it like Jesus is the blueprint. Jesus is the perfect model of humanity. And you're, you're still this like messy piece of clay. <laughs> and through your life, God is, 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 is using situations and people and using his word and his spirit and his voice. And he's leading you. And in his leadership, he is molding that clay to look more and more like the original model. So if the Lord's will is for you to be conformed into the image of his son, then testing is always going to happen because it always produces maturity. Think about this. Adam and Eve were presented with a test. Abraham was tested. Jesus was tested. The disciples were tested. The apostles were tested. You will be tested. C.S. Lewis, he says this. He says, God has not been trying. This is very important. God has not been trying an experiment on my faith or love in order to find out their quality. He already knew it. It was I who didn't. So the testing of the Lord isn't God trying to make you prove yourself to him. You need to hear that. God isn't testing you to prove how much you love him. (laughs) He knows beginning to end. He knows the finished product of who you are. that his testing is an invitation into deeper obedience and dependency. That the consistent root, the foundation of testing, the consistent root and the consistent fruit is always dependency. Remember, that scantron, there's only two options. Whenever there's a trial, whenever the Lord is inviting you into a test, you only have two options. There's only one right option. And it's greater dependency. That we see this in the children of Israel, right? Going back to Deuteronomy 8.2. God led them to the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling them and testing them, prove their character, and to find out whether or not they would obey his commands. That Israel had one core test. There's several different tests, but if you look at the core of every Test that Israel had to face, it's the same test that we face today. That's greater dependency. But what happened for the children of Israel, we, got, we, we all know it took them 40 years to enter into the promise, which should have only taken them 40 days, and was because they kept failing the test. I want you to hear this. You can fail a test. (laughs) I think there's almost this mentality of we're on this like Christian autopilot. Like whatever's gonna happen, like God's got me. It's very true. Right? He he works all things together for the good of those who love him. And so God may put a promise in your life. Hard. God may speak a promise, a destiny, a destination. God may be speaking something somewhere he wants to take you. 
But in the process, oftentimes there's a test. God is faithful. He who started a good work is faithful to complete it. But it doesn't mean he's going to complete it through you. For the people of Israel, for a lot of them, it wasn't until their grandchildren inherited the promise. So what's the point? You can fail a test, but you don't have to. Jesus was tested when he was sent into the wilderness. And he did in 40 days what the children of Israel couldn't do. So oftentimes, a lot of the the intersections of his leadership, he's leading us to go somewhere. There's always a, a choice, dependency or independence. And he'll get you there. <laughs> but if you keep choosing independence, it's going to take a lot longer. So what do you want? Do you want to wait for your children to finally inherit the promise? Or do you want to step in and build your life in the promise? So trials lead us to a perseverant faith that oftentimes in trials and testings, we start in faith, but in the furnace, we try to self-preserve and let go of faith. Going back to James 1.24, it says this, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance what? Finish its work so that you may be complete and mature, not lacking anything. So I want to go over the purpose of God's testing. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, the purpose of God's testing is to reveal the state of your heart. David said this in Psalm 26, verse two, test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. Lord, I invite your testing. And I, and I want you to, to, to hear this. Yes, there are moments that God's testing is like, this is so extreme, right? And we know people, the Lord's like, go to the mission field, they just renovated their house, just bought it, paid it off, and the Lord's like, sell it. <laughs> right? There, there's, there's moments where the, the Lord gives you an invitation like that, but sometimes it's in the details. Man, this person just, just destroyed my character. <laughs> Nothing they said was valid. But they just destroyed my character. They, they slandered who I am. In the middle of that, there's a test. There's a choice. Independence. I'm just going to rip them a new one. I'm going to slander them back. I'm going to fight back. I'm just going to, you know, shred them apart. <laughs> or dependency. God, I forgive. There's always a test. The first thing, a test reveals the state of your heart. It reveals what we actually believe about God, but also it can show us how strong our faith can actually be. Right? Maybe you've been in a moment where God has led you somewhere 
and you, you're like, man, this is really hard, but I'm gonna step out in faith. And you step out and man, you just cross the Red Sea. And like, I didn't even know that I could trust God in that way. But testing reveals your character and testing conforms you deeper into his image. The second one, this is a good one, that the purpose of God's testing is to lead you to give up what you can't let go of. Hebrews 11, 17 says, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. That God will oftentimes test us in the areas that we lack trust the most. That if you are facing a test, it's because there's probably an area in your life, in your heart, that you lack trust the most. Here's another thing. That what you're not willing to let go of is an idol in your life. That anything that has become an idol is an area that you have rejected God's leadership. God, you can't touch this. This, this is my, this is my, my thing. <laughs> I, I, want to, I want to keep this thing for myself. God, you can't touch this. That anything that you're not willing to let go of is an idol. The third thing, purpose of God's testing is to turn what the enemy meant for evil for your good. Not a lot of amens. That Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that in all things God works for good of those who love him and, and who have been called according to his purpose. So oftentimes there are attack, there are, there are temptations, there are moments that the enemy comes to tempt you, but God's triumph, God's testing always triumphs over the enemy's temptations. So even in the enemy's schemes, he presents a door for you to choose greater dependency or independence. That he isn't the one sending the, the temptation, right? It says that God tempts no man to sin. God, God won't entice you to sin. He's not like, hey, go here and, and almost sin so I can teach you a lesson. God doesn't do that. But when the enemy comes, he'll stand, he says, let me teach you how to fight. <laughs> you'll, you'll never have victory if you never win any battles. You'll never have victory if you don't have any battles. <laughs> You'll never have authority in an area if you haven't conquered that area. It's like, let's, let's do a, a, a conference on how to be free from porn addiction, but you're still in porn addiction. <laughs> it doesn't work. And so we have to understand God's testing triumphs over the enemy's temptation. It says that in scripture that in every temptation he offers a way out. Think about this. In Psalms it says that he prepares a table for us in the presence of your enemies. We love that. We love that because it's super poetic. It's cool imagery. But I want you to think about this in every temptation in every attack there's a test will you sit and feast will you stand and get attacked 
but in the presence of your enemies. It doesn't mean that the enemies are gone, right? But in the presence of them, you can sit and you can feast. So the purpose of God's testing is to turn what the enemy meant for evil for your good. Fourth and last one is to grow your trust in him for him to trust you with more. James 1.12 says "Is blessed, say blessed. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. That God's blessing will always follow his testing. That he who is faithful with little can be faithful with more, can be trusted with more. Like I said before, sometimes there is something God has promised or there's a destiny God has spoken, there's somewhere God is leading us. And often in the crossroads of right, seeing the Israelites entering the promised land, there's a test. And the purpose of the test, again, it's not to prove to God how good you are, how much you love and how much faith you are, but it's actually the test that is a crucible, it's a furnace to prepare you to actually enter and sustain that thing. That if it wasn't for the test, if the surgeon never had the test that he had to prepare for, that he had to pass, that he had to take to reveal what he actually knew, then he couldn't be trusted to do heart surgery on you because he doesn't have the proof of what he can do. And so, man, for a lot of us, we want the Lord to, to give us the microphone. We want the Lord to, to give us the ministry, to give us the platform, to, to give us the, the album that's gonna change the world, and all that is amazing. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter if you can't sustain it. You know, a lot of people who uh, win the lottery <laughs> often end up in debt. <laughs> they don't know how to steward it. Right? You look at the, the parable of the talents. It's three people. One person was given the most amount of money. That person stewarded that money well. He multiplied it even more than what he had. The second one was given just a little bit less. He was given more money. He doubled it. The third person, they gave him money and because he was afraid of what the ruler was going to do to him, so he just buried it in the ground. I, I'm, I'm too afraid to, to, to steward this, so I'm just going to do nothing with it. He was the one that failed the test. And so the testing of the Lord is for your benefit. This is why James says, consider it pure joy. There was that test that was meant to equip us to handle the blessing in the coming season. I'm gonna share this story. I, haven't, I don't think I've ever shared this publicly. 
Uh, but a couple years ago, this is probably four years ago, you know, breakthrough it was 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 just starting to grow. This is when we we're in the basement of Court Street. Was anyone with us in that season? Come on, two people. Thank you for being faithful. Um, but that's when we, uh, we, we were really like, man, there was momentum. It was growing. It was passionate. We really started to plant roots as a community. And during that time, you know, I was, I was a freelance designer and essentially living month to month. And my wife just got pregnant. And we're doing ministry full time. And it was this moment. And I was like, okay, Lord, like, how am I going to do this? Like, how are you going to make it through? And in that time, I had so many people just sending me job offers. Hey, come be a creative director over here. Come to California, go to Texas. Just throwing offers at me to, to move to another church that was bigger and more established. And in my heart, I was like, no, like I'm, I'm called here. Like I know the Lord is moving on this. And so I just kept turning on all these offers. And there's this, this one, one pastor that, that I really, really admired and really looked, looked up to. And he, he, he casually, you know, hey, like, come be our creative director. Like, we'd love for you to fill a position. I was like, no, thank you so much. Like, I really appreciate it. You know, the Lord's calling us to Lynchburg. We're called to do this. And then out of nowhere, he just, like, sends, like, five voice memos. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know if this is prophetic, but I just really feel like you're supposed to come here. And he's like, I love what you're doing, but I think you really need to come and just sit under leadership and just learn so you can actually come back to Lynchburg and, and build and do what God's calling you to do. And something in my spirit was like, huh. <laughs> it's like, maybe he's right. And I, 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 I just ignored it because like, I, I, I can't really, I don't want to respond to this. And it was like a few days I couldn't shake that feeling. I was like, man, like, what if we move? You know, I'm, I would have a salary, be mentored by this pastor that I really admire, being this church that's really incredible and growing and we're about to have our second our first kid like the support you know at that time breakthrough was was mainly college students like we would have families surrounding us and I I started fasting and something in me was like you know what like the Lord might be on this like let's explore it so I told him I was like you know hey like fly me out I think the Lord could be on this and so we're in the process and, you know, still leading breakthrough. And I, I literally, like, in my heart was like, wow, like, this is about to be over. <laughs> like, everything that I've built, you know, in, I think three years at that time, it's done. And so I'll be at church, at community groups, like, mourning. <laughs> like, wow, this is going to end, like, any second now. And when I was finally in the crossroads of having to make a decision, if I should move to this, this church and a lot, of, a lot of our oversight was like, hey, I think this would be a really good move for your family. Like, it might be good just to, to let go, break through. In my heart, I just couldn't. And everything was like, this is the best move for your family. You need to make this move. This is, this is gonna be the best, most sustainable move for your family. And in my heart, I, I, I couldn't let go of breakthrough. I was just like, God, like I spent three years building this thing. It's finally like in a good place. Like I, I can't let go of this. And, and, and it, it kept coming down to my inability to make the decision was rooted in me not willing to let go. And was almost in this place where, where I was elevating breakthrough and the, the, the value of breakthrough over the importance and value of my family. And so I finally made this decision and it was like this, this ripping apart of like, all right, like 
I don't want to do this, but I got to I got to let go of my my child essentially that I birthed and grew for a couple years. And I finally reached out to the pastor and I was like, "All right, like let's do it." And I was finally willing to let go of of breakthrough for the benefit of my family, right? You guys have heard that phrase, don't sacrifice your family on the altar of ministry. And I was like, okay, I don't want that to happen. I'm gonna sacrifice ministry on the altar of family. So I told him, hey, let's do it. Like, I'm gonna take this job. And he gets back to me and he's like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, I don't know what happened, but our elders this last month decided to hire someone in-house. And I was like, okay. Great. It's like a two-week process. And I laugh, and the Lord showed me a picture. He's like, Andrew, I was testing you. I wanted to see if your family was more important than ministry. But if you weren't willing to give up your family for ministry, then you'll never be able to sustain this thing. And that's a lesson, man. I have, like, I have to hold on to that every, every single week. And it wasn't until then that breakthrough actually started to grow. It was right after that, we moved into uh, Mission House. It was like our first autonomous space where it was like meeting in someone's space. And it's our first, like, man, this is our space now. We have offices. And breakthrough wasn't until then that it led into where it is now. But what would have happened if, I was like, you know what, like, in my own flesh, because it's not about the decision, it's about the heart. In my own flesh, I'm going to keep breakthrough even though it's going to harm my family. That in the test, Lord would have been like, okay, that's your choice, independence. And both could have collapsed. (laughs) But because... In the passing of the test, the Lord was able to trust me with more, but it also, it matured me and it grew my dependency. And so 1 Peter 1, 6-7, it says this, that in all this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. That's good. That we can rejoice in suffering because the trials we face can result in the testing of our faith, which leads to a greater dependency that results in a pure offering of worship. So where do we go from here? I think for a lot of people, we've had test and testing, and we didn't know it was a test. 
We didn't know that there is, there is a choice in the midst of it. And so it's almost like we're in a jungle and we're just like fighting to find our way out. We're just like, ah, we're just, you know, trying to make it out. But we're just running in circles <laughs> for 40 years, right? And it's not until you enter dependency that you'll be able to actually make your way out of it. And as I was praying for just this message, because I know it can be kind of a heavy, heavy message, and I was praying and I felt like prophetically there's a lot of people that have yet stepped into the promise that God has spoken. That there is a, a destination and it's not about the reward of the destination, but it's because the reward is him in the destination. That in the destination, you're gonna actually become more and more like him. I feel like there's, there, there, there are people who've missed the testing. But he is faithful to not move on from the test. He'll keep bringing it up. It might just look different. It might just be in a different circumstance. But he'll keep bringing it up. And it's not until, one, you acknowledge the test and realize, wait, God is inviting me. Not, not setting me a trap, <laughs> but God is inviting me into greater depths of dependency. It's not until then that you can enter into the promise. So I want to pray how the worship team come up. Just speaking to anyone. I just want to pray. I feel like the Lord wants to, to unlock things. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just recognize recognize the errors that we have suffered and where we have just placed the blame on you. In the parable of the talents, the third person who failed the test, when he was confronted, he said, well, the reason that, that I didn't do anything was because I was afraid of you. That oftentimes when we're faced with a test, we, we blame God. <laughs> but you'll never pass the test if your heart is not rooted in his nature. So Lord, we, we ask that, that any of the areas that we've experienced testing in where we have blamed you for the test, we blamed you for the trial, Lord, I pray right now that you would illuminate the reality of what went down. Lord, we just let go of the blame. This is step one, guys. Lord, we let go of the blame.
ask right now, would you reveal what that test really was? I feel like there's a lot of people that are confusing things that happened or, or trials that you just, you just, why did this happen? I don't know what was going on. Just ask the Lord, Lord, would you reveal what the test was?
work all things together for the good of those who love him. So any heirs that we have yet seen, the goodness of God in the land of the living, would you reveal maybe what barriers or what testing or what things that are stopping us from stepping into the land of the living, that anything that the enemy has sent to cause harm, Lord, would you turn it for good? 